I want to talk to you a little bit about a new sponsor called Sweat Block. I am uh, thrilled to have them on. This is a product that actually really, really works, and it's completely different. I mean, they have the uh, deodorant and the uh, antiperspirant that you just would, you know, roll on your arms. Um, but they have sweat, sweat Block wipes uh, for people who really uh, sweat. You use them once a week. I just gave them to my daughter because she's in a she's in a, a production, a theater production. She has like four or five less than a minute costume changes and she just sweats up a storm with this running around and doing everything she is doing gave her sweat block uh and she's using that now which is a tremendous tremendous help you don't have to have the sweat tacos under your arms uh to, to try it but if you do suffer from that i mean this is this is really it uh try their deodorant stick Best I've ever tried. Get it all today. 20% off at sweatblock.com. Sweatblock.com. Probably the most uh, uh, accurate name for a product I have ever uh, seen. Sweatblock.com. Promo code Beck. You can also pick it up at Amazon. Yesterday, the Fed raised the uh, the interest rates, and they said they're going to do it, I think, six or seven times more this year. Uh, this could get dicey in many ways for everyone. And I want you to understand what happened yesterday, and not in terms of, well, you know, uh, us traders believe... I don't, I don't care. I don't watch CNBC, because I only understand about half of it. Uh, I want to know what this means to the average person. Carol Roth joins us, the author of The War on Small Business. She gets it and can explain what it all means in 60 seconds. So what would you do if one day you woke up and all the people who made things had just decided to quit? The consumers remained. It was just the producers just went off to do other things. All of a sudden, you had to make your own car, your own clothes, your own alcohol at that point i would have to make alcohol i re- i mean i would uh you get a you get a perspective on what you and everyone else uh, uh deserves right i mean you really are like oh wait that's that's kind of a this is what happened with atlas shrugged uh by ayn rand the tuttle twins books tackle it in the tuttle twins and the search for atlas that's what these tuttle twins books are all about I mean, you know, you're not going to read Atlas Shrugged to your kid. First of all, it's like 1,200 pages. Um, But it's really an important book to understand things. 
That's what you can teach your little kids about how things really work. Tuttle Twins are offering three great bonuses if you order their uh, set today. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com, get a 35% discount plus all the bonuses. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Keep your kids sane and understanding what is really right and what is wrong. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Do it now. Carol, welcome to the... uh, Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, Glenn. Lots of things to talk about. Yeah, boy, I've, I've got a long list for you, too. Um, so let's let's start with what happened yesterday and why people should care. So I want to take a step back and talk about you know why the Fed did what it did in terms of raising interest rates, what we call 25 basis points or a quarter of a percent. 100 basis points is 1%. Okay. And basically, they were undoing um, the or at least attempting to start to undo the effects of what they in part caused. Their monetary policy, zero interest rate policy, printing trillions of dollars, the government spending trillions of dollars in terms of fiscal stimulus, turning parts of the economy off and wrecking the labor market and the supply chain. All of those things are the reasons we have inflation today exacerbated by decisions that the Biden administration made around uh, oil and gas dependence and and whatnot. So basically, we had um, inflation, which we've all been talking about and seeing as we go to the grocery store and certainly at the fuel pump and whatnot. And so finally, they said we have to do something. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is a little bit of window dressing because they were doing accommodation. They were in the market purchasing securities last week. So last week they were being accommodative, but this week we have to maintain our credibility and we need to do something. So they decided to raise what is called the Fed funds rate. It's a rate where banks lend to each other overnight in terms of their reserves, and that reverberates through the market. So they had brought that down to a target of zero to a quarter of a percent and they had held it there for the last couple of years and they said okay well you know inflation's getting away we better raise some interest rates one of our tools in order to do that and they took the huge step of a whole quarter of a point increase to do yeah very 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 meaningful because they need to be credible right the last (laughs) time we had this problem of this size it took an interest rate of about 19 or 20 percent uh if i'm not mistaken um raising it a quarter is is really is is a joke where do you think these interest rates should be not not considering killing the economy i just where it should be should it if we were in a healthy country still would it be 20 percent or more so uh, there are a couple of things to unpack there. First of all, this is an unprecedented situation. We don't have a benchmark because we've never had central banks, not just in the U.S., but around the world, printing trillions upon trillions of dollars. This has just never happened before. And we've never had governments turn off the economy. You, you never have a situation where there's 1.7 jobs available for every job seeker because of what the government did. So we're flying a little bit blind. Um, I've always been a fan of normalized interest rates. I think it's a horrible idea to have the Fed meddling and trying to, sure. to direct things. I want you know I want the market to set it. 
And so before all of this nonsense started, um, before the financial crisis, the Great Recession financial crisis in 07, 08, which was really the first time we we went totally off the rails mm-hmm. with the zero interest rate policy and the purchase of securities, the interest rates were around, you know, five plus percent. And you know, that seems to be, you know, a healthy place where things should be. We should not be in a place where we're saying, um, you know, when you take risk, you shouldn't be getting rewarded for it, you know, zero percent interest. It, it makes no sense. So in reality, um, you know, we're still at very historically low interest rates and in a healthy economy, you know, to have three, four, five percent would be completely uh, acceptable. We just have been so addicted to this easy money and this free money for so long. I'm not sure how we get out of it. OK, so f- there's a couple of uh, problems with five percent interest rates right now. One would be that people would not be able to afford new house, et cetera, et cetera, because of inflation, and everything else. But the other that nobody ever talks about is we now have a national debt over 30 trillion dollars. And that is just like buying a house. You have an interest rate on that. If we had an interest rate of five percent. How much more money do we have to pay? Bingo. This is the dilemma that the Fed has gotten themselves into by keeping down interest rates. They've basically given the government a free pass to just spend and spend and to rack up more and more debt. And we're at a point where the debt is completely out of control and you know has exceeded our level of GDP. So if you think about 30 trillion of debts, and obviously the Fed funds rates and the interest rate on the debt isn't a one-to-one correlation, but we know that as one moves up, the other moves up. So in terms of the interest on our national debt, I want everyone to pay very close attention because this is staggering. For every 1% increase, that is another $300 billion that we have to pay in interest on the national debt. That is our tax dollars that are going to pay more for things that we have already purchased. It is not new purchases. It's literally a finance charge, a almost like credit card interest rate on stuff we have already bought. And this is the dilemma the Fed has because they know as they raise interest rates, this is going to get out of control. The CBO had made a projection saying that this is going to get out of control. But in their projection, they said, well, you know, we think the yield on the 10-year Treasury note gets to about 2.1% in 2025. So, you know, we're going to have to to really be concerned maybe in 2029. The yield on the the 10-year Treasury note is at that 2.1% today. So So I don't know. Please talk down to me like I'm in kindergarten. I I don't understand the yield thing with the Treasury, how that works, how that's affected. So can you explain that? Yeah. So basically, um, it's, you know, how much the government has to pay on the debt on debt. So it's what the market demands. And obviously, um, you know, if there is a lot of demand for Treasury securities, uh, the prices of that go up then the the yield or the interest that you demand is lower because there's a lot of demand. You don't so, have to pay a lot for your debts. But we had been at very, very, very low, even very because low. the Fed was buying up. There was no demand for our, uh, our right. treasuries, uh, which is so, our loan. So, so let me put it in context. What we are paying currently on our national debt in terms of a combined interest rate 
is somewhere in the neighborhood I've seen projections of, you know, 1.4% to 1.6%. So they've been able to finance that at a very low rate, but that number is starting to creep up. And with the Fed increasing interest rates, it will further creep up. And every 1% is $300 billion. So if we have an interest rate of 5 or five or 6%, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're talking like between 2 and $3 trillion more, yeah, the, I mean, the entire budget. Exactly. It's just, it's just completely untenable at that point in time. Okay. So um, <laughs> okay. I, I would I would imagine other things happen um, in the interim. But, you know, this is why when we talk about um, things like MMT, modern monetary theory, or why I call it magic money tree, that says, you well, you can just print into infinity because we can just print more. Well, we are now living through that real time experiment. As we've all said, no, you can't. It causes inflation. It has real costs for the average American, and it decreases the value of every dollar that you hold. All right. So the best thing you can do is get out of credit cards. You should yes. cut those up if you can uh, and pay them off if you can. Get a refi right now because you're probably paying about 16% for your credit cards, correct? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and <sighs> it could be going up and anything that has that adjustable interest rate associated with some people may have something called an arm and adjustable rate mortgage mm -hmm. where it's, you know, it, it adjusts over time. Maybe it's fixed for a certain number of years, but then it starts to float. Anything that is adjustable rate debt is going to increase in price. And if you, ha if you need financing, let's say you have a business and you haven't taken advantage of low rates yet, you're going to want to lock that in on a fixed basis now because it's not going to get cheaper anytime soon. Now, the other problem, the, the problem with raising interest rates is, let's say you have a business and you need a loan. If if the interest rates start to go up, that kills that business. They can't afford that loan, just like we can't afford our national debt or you want to buy a house. Yesterday, mortgages, the new mortgages fell immediately uh, or just on the the whisper that it was coming. We are seeing a slowdown in mortgages, which means that people are going to buy fewer houses. The the scary thing about this is you don't know where that switch is. You just kind of have to guess and it might shut everything down. That's the needle that the Fed is trying to thread in addition to dealing with the consequences of the national debt. What happens is as they raise interest rates, you know, their intention is to slow down the economy. I mean, that's basically right. what it is. They want to slow down consumer demand. But the question is, you know, how do you do that without creating a recession or without re uh, creating reverberations so, for the economics of the average American? Can I be really, really cynical? I mean, let, let, in fact, let me go beyond cynical. Let me go into I'm a thriller writer. OK, and I'm writing a thriller. And for some reason, this country needs to slow down the economy, but they can't slow down the economy because then businesses will fail. But they don't really care about the average person. You know what I mean? That's going to fail. That's fine. We'll print more money. We'll put them on welfare or tell them to stay home or whatever. Um, wouldn't one way to slow the economy for the consumer but not slow the economy for the big corporations. Would a war do that? 
um, <laughs> I think that would completely change the tenor of the economy. But uh, I think that raising the interest rates does that because kind of like we saw over the last couple of years, if you are a big corporation, you you've the- taken advantage of that debt. You have that war chest, you have that strong balance sheet. So in terms of the transfer of wealth, um, you know, that is one way to do that. But the war, you know, that would completely change the tenor of you know who um, benefits. And certainly, it would be the bigger guys versus the smaller guys. But it right. would probably be folks in you know defense um, rather than yeah. the financial services industry, for example. Uh, okay, Carol, hang on. I've got some more questions, and and like you to explain a, a couple of other things coming up in just a second. Give me sixty seconds. We're back with Carol Roth. Uh, the uh, the name of her book is The War on Small Business, a must read. Um, there are some things in life that you just can't prepare or protect against. Having your identity stolen by cyber criminals does not have to be one of them. Your information is all over the place online every day. There's no shortage of people out there looking for looking for your money, looking for your stuff. So how do you protect it? Well, nobody can follow everything. Nobody can protect against everything. Uh, or catch everything, but the the best group out there, I think, um, they've been. I think they're the first in this line. I think they invented, uh, you know, identity theft protection, and they've been doing it for decades. Is LifeLock? LifeLock. Right now, if you join, you can save up to twenty five percent off your first year with the promo code back. Call eight hundred LifeLock, eight hundred LifeLock, or LifeLock dot com. If you use the promo code back, you'll save twenty five percent. So do it now. Promo code back. LifeLock dot com. Ten seconds. Station ID. All right, so I, I want to talk to you about the uh, dollar being the world's reserve currency um, because I'm watching these sanctions that are being put on and I'm seeing things happen to where if I'm another country, especially Russia, I'm going to China immediately saying, I want to partner with you because they just made my money worthless. I can't get my money out of the central bank, the Federal Reserve, that that's my money and they won't let me get to my money. Um, if that starts to happen and then Saudi Arabia starts to sell oil off of the petrodollar, that's really bad news. And let's say the West holds together, but half the world is off the petrodollar. What does that mean for us, Carol? Um, It potentially means the end of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. Explain what that means, because I mean, to the (laughs) average person, forget about, you know, the central banks and everything else. What does it mean to the average person to have half the world get off our dollar, ship them back? so, so this is why I love you, Glenn, is because we take the most complicated concepts in the world and yeah. try to explain them right. as if, uh, you know, it's Elmo and Big Bird here. Right. Um, the idea of being the reserve currency is it, something that um, you know, has sort of long history. And it means uh, particularly in the case of goods and services, but also in the case of oil, that everyone in the world pretty much agreed to use dollars for settlement. 
And that puts some responsibility on the United States. Um, there's something that is called the Triffin Dilemma. And it's an economist back in the 1960s who basically said, there's a conflict. If you are going to be the world reserve currency, you're going to have to make tough choices. And you're not always going to be able to do what's right uh, at home uh, in order to make sure you're doing what's right For in everyone. the national sphere. Yeah. Right. And unfortunately, um, you know, this has been a, an issue that's been going on for a long time. But in recent times, as we've been talking about with the Fed and the decisions that they've made, they actually haven't done right by either party. They've been screwing over the average American with their policy and transferring wealth, but they've been doing the same thing in the national sphere. And frankly, a lot of countries are getting sick of it. And so there have been predictions for quite some time that there was going to be an event. Um, an advisor actually to the OECD said that it's probably not an economic event. It's a geopolitical event that's hmm. going to expose this system, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and so a lot of folks feel like the sanctions that were made against Russia were potentially a cover story that we know we are potentially going to lose right. this reserve currency status. So we're going to say, well, we did it because we had to take a stand. But the reality is, you know, as we've now shown the world, you can put your money in our central bank and you can buy treasuries and, and U.S. dollars and hold them. But you might not be able to access them, which is not a really good thing if you're going to be the world Correct. reserve currency. Correct. So there are a couple of potential outcomes. And I know that you've been uh, you know, talking about this, Glenn. Um, but you know, one thing that folks have been talking about is, you know, does China potentially step into the reserve currency position? Um, there is an issue around that because usually if you have the reserve currency, you run a trade deficit. And we know that China is a nation of exporters. So are they really going to step into that? I'm not sure. Um, the other thought is, listen, we've, we've seen so many banks, central banks around the world print so much money. There's all of this debt. You can't really just say we're going to cancel it all because there's counterparties. There are people on the other side of the debt. So what could you do to offset that? Well, if oh, everybody... Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Guess, okay. Okay. Elmo and Big Bird have to stop because there's... Okay. Elmo says there's only 20 more seconds left. Okay. So, <laughs> so we will come back because I really want to hear this uh, this other new plan. And canceling debt just opens up Pandora's box, at least in my head. We'll talk about that coming up with more. Carol Roth in just a second. Stand by. That's right. Did you get your vaccines yet? The Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, if you're listening to today's show, if you missed a minute of today's show, you need to get the podcast. But if you've been listening, you understand now why I have been saying American Financing, why I'm still saying today, get out of those high interest credit card debt. If you can get a consolidation loan and lock the lock your debt into 4% interest instead of 16, which is not locked, it'll be 20 quickly. Please 
Call American Financing. Find out. Just give them your situation. They'll shoot straight with you. There's no obligation. There's no fees or anything else. Just talk to them. If they can find something that will help you out, you could skip up to two mortgage payments and close in as little as 10 days. That'll take some pressure off. Go to American Financing right now, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. Go there now, AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-2440. We're with Carol Roth. Uh, She is the author of the um, of the book the war on small business she's a former investment banker don't hold that against her she calls herself a recovering investor bank investment banker she worked on wall street for years and years and uh then kind of went "Ooh, I, I might be on the wrong side here uh and is trying to do everything she can to strengthen uh individual businesses small businesses all across the country and i love her for it uh carol um you were just saying that one of the options in this nightmare scenario, which I think is unfolding in front of us, where the world reserve currency is not going to be the dollar. I don't know what it is, but they're going to change the dollar from what it is to a digital dollar. Um, and I don't know how it all shakes out, but probably not very well. But you brought up there's all this debt that we just can't cancel because there are people on the other side of that debt. Yeah. So, okay. So explain what you think that that can't happen, you say. Well, I mean, nothing is a, a never scenario, <laughs> yeah, right? Not we're, we're in an uh, in an unprecedented situation. Yeah. And, and, you know, for people who are students of history, despite all of the, the wreckage that could come from this, it's a very interesting point in time, that, especially financially. You know, you had the, the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. You had then us going off the gold standard. Then you had us, you know, with the petrodollar basically saying we will manage the dollar as good as gold for oil. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Fed basically go completely rogue and not do that. And anybody who is holding reserves that they're supposed to say, well, the the U.S. dollar is safe and it's a good store of value and we keep devaluing it. You know, that's not a good thing and good outcome from that. So and and these are, by the way, these are not my theories. I'm just communicating what is out there from people who are far smarter than I am. Um, But one of the theories is that if you can't cancel the debt, then you can make everybody whole by writing up another asset. So is there a neutral asset that central banks have access to that's on their balance sheet that maybe they have been buying at really good prices that all of a sudden everybody comes together and says, well, we're just going to write up the value of that instead of writing down the debt? Gold. Gold. So central banks have been buying tons of physical gold by the way billionaires have been buying a lot of physical gold as well yeah and i use the determination physical because it's different than the market ETFs. that's traded ETFs yeah, those are ridiculous because that's, do- that's done in dollars yeah, right so if yeah. the dollar you know that who's backing that 
but physical gold. So there is a theory going around that potentially that on a standalone basis or a basket of neutral metals, which by the way was you know thrown out as an idea early on when it was pushed aside for the US dollar, that maybe there is this, you know, come come meeting of the minds and you know this is the way that you make all of these other central banks and countries whole as you just write up the value of that gold. So if you think that that's going to happen and you think that the financial system is going to collapse, you know, th- then you want to be owning physical metals because, and, and have a, a be- store of that. Because when you say they're going to write off debt, you don't mean people's houses. You no, mean gover- government debt. They government. cannot write up. They mm-hmm. cannot write off government debt because you know when you take that's a loan, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's you you owe the money back to somebody. So the other side of, of potentially doing some sort of, oh, we're going to have mass forgiveness is that we take something else that everybody has and we just say that it's more valuable. Poof, overnight, magic. That doesn't sound like it, 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 it <laughs> was a bad magic trick. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. bad. We're, we're dealing with a lot of black magic. I, was, Stu and I were talking about this story that came out of Britain. We haven't heard anyone talk about this. Um, explain what, what happened. Okay, yeah. So just a little background. It's in the, in the London Metal Exchange, and it's the price of nickel. Now, I know you don't. no one cares about the price of nickel, but just to give you uh, the basis here. Tesla does. Yeah, that's true. If you're buying an electric car, you certainly do. So from 10,000, it, it's basically the last five years, it's bounced back and forth between 10,000 and 20,000 per, uh, per metric ton. Okay. Um, it got up to a little bit above 20,000 here in the last few weeks. And then obviously all this stuff going on in Russia, Russia, Ukraine, big places, you know, sources of where all of the nickel comes from for these electric car batteries. It goes from basically 20,000 to 80,000 in basically a day. Okay. So four times up in one day. So let me read this, this is from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Listen to the. Have you read this, Carol? Oh, I know this. I know this story. Okay, yeah. This is I do, crazy. I do know this story, so we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Listen sure. to this, America. This is craziness yeah so traders on the london metal exchange smelled blood and nickel prices almost doubled in a short period of time uh a chinese company faced a one billion dollar margin call that exchange officials feared it couldn't meet rather than let it fail which would probably have taken down several of the smaller brokers that serviced them the london metals exchange decided to cancel all of the day's trading more than 9,000 trades worth about $4 billion. It canceled the trades, not because of a fat finger error, which exchanges often cancel, not because of a rogue algorithm, as regulators claimed in the 2010 flash crash in U.S. stocks, but because someone with too much leverage was going to blow up with effects on some members of the exchange. This is moral hazard taken to extreme. It has always been true that if you face a $100 margin call, it's your problem. While if you have a $1 billion margin call, it's the broker's problem and the authorities might save them. What is almost unprecedented here is that the exchange authorities decided to save them with money taken from other traders who otherwise would be sitting on fat profits. I mean, this you won. You picked it the right direction. You've got these huge profits, and they cancel your trade to save someone else. Incredible. And it's China. And it's China. I mean, there is no such thing as a free market with this. No, I mean, this is another too big to fail scenario. It happened to be, um, I believe it was an individual billionaire who had made a short bet 
against nickel. Mm. <laughs> so he went in wow. the other direction, and that's why. I mean, then you don't you don't put no. the money down on the table if you don't know what the odds are, and you're not willing to lose your money. That's like going to Vegas and and placing a huge bet, and when you lose it, you're like, hey. You know, Caesars, I mean, this is crazy. And Caesar says, oh, we're not going to count that bet. That right, so doesn't it's, happen. It's, it's horrendous. And it goes back to the integrity of the markets and some of the issues that so many of the retail investors have been rallying against. And it's just another example. And there are big name banks involved. Um, the, the exchange was actually shut down for multiple days, I believe, before it started trading again. Um, and the people who you know, made a bet and decided to participate in the market ended up getting screwed out of their profits. But they're Jeez. never going to get the leniency if it happens to them on the other no. side. And, uh, you know, just the, the overall integrity, like you said, this is not a free market. It is not a fair market. Um, and, you know, we have too many of these big guys who are being saved at the expense, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, of the small guys over and over again. And that's what I think people are so sick of. And when they see this next crash, especially with Janet Yellen saying it will be equitable when we reassemble, it will be <laughs> equitable. What the hell does that even mean? Probably stuff like this. Mm. Um, and when they see the rich getting richer, and I don't mean I don't mean the person who runs a business and may have a million dollars. I mean the rich, the ver the elite of the elite, the Black Rocks of the world, the the banks of the world. I just when their debt is being bailed out, and real Americans are paying huge money for their food and their gas, and then their home is taken, there's trouble. That's real trouble. Yeah, and unfortunately, that is the scenario. I mean, there's one thing to become wealthy because you earned it in a fair playing field. That's something yes. that we want to celebrate. But we do not want to celebrate when the playing field is tilted, when somebody's got their thumb on the scale, when we have this transfer of wealth from Main Street to Wall Street, which has been going on for, you know, in a very large part for a decade and a half, it has been accelerated over the last year and a half. And, you know, if we talk about all of this coming to fruition and us losing reserve currency status, you know, it's going to mean a slower economy for us because we are not in a position, we don't have the strong manufacturing base or competitive Correct. pricing to be able to export. So all these people are like, oh, it's great. We'll reshore the jobs. I don't think they're thinking in context of our existing economic structure. It's going to be, unfortunately, very painful. But just to have a moment of hope here, Glenn, because this is really yeah. doom and gloom, right. is you have to remember in any time of pain, there is always opportunities. And so it is you know, incumbent upon you to find where those opportunities are. You know, so what are average, the things? average person is saying, what is that opportunity? Yeah, it's finding the things that have inelastic demand, meaning that people will pay prices even when they're continuing to increase and making investments in those kinds of things or, or retooling your business to be servicing those markets. It's those kinds of shifts where you have to, to look for those hidden opportunities in what could be a completely new economic scenario for us going forward. I, I think what you just said 
uh, translates to what I just told my kids. Uh, you get into the job market, you have to be the most uh, effective, efficient, and hardworking employee. Even if you're not at the top of the food chain, you have to be the one that the boss says, oh, he can't, because he'll do everything. I mean, he's he's a little bit, I mean, he is, works like crazy. You have to be that person, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Invest in yourself um, and make yourself indispensable to somebody else, whether it's a customer or to somebody that you're working for. It's a, it's a, a huge competitive differentiation that's only going to get more important. Um, I, I would love to have you on uh, maybe early next week. I, I just had one of my producers put some stats together <laughs> on uh, inflation and what that yeah. actually means to people. I mean, when when Biden got in, a hamburger, average hamburger was four dollars and 40 cents. Uh, today, that average burger is six oh one. Uh, and if we look at what they say, uh, things are going to be, um, you know, with with uh, the what are they saying? Seven point nine percent inflation. That number is going to be uh, $7 for a burger by the time the next election. But I don't think those stats are right. I think we're if you want to compare apples to apples, look at how we measured it back in the 1970s and 80s when we hit it before. That would mean that that hamburger would go from $4.40 to almost $8 by the time we hit a presidential election. I just want to talk to you about inflation and uh, how to beat that. Plenty to talk about. Would love to. Thank you very much, Carol. Appreciate it. Carol Roth, uh, the name of the book is War on Small Business. Make sure you pick it up. Uh, uh, All right. Do I need to say much about Goldline here? (laughs) Really? I mean, did you hear what she just said? And I know there's a lot of people that, you know, or I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody knows. I mean, I, I think you heard that. This is unprecedented. There's no model for this. But when the world goes insane, the world usually goes back to gold. So please find out now if this is right before gold takes off even more. China is buying tons of gold. Russia has been buying tons of gold. They know what's coming. Why would billionaires are buying gold? What do they know that you don't know? Find out this week only with every graded $5 gold Indian purchased. You're going to receive one of the unique silver mind your business bars at no cost. Call Goldline at 866 Goldline to find out what kind of gold I buy, why I buy it that way. See if it's right for your family. It's right for mine. May not be. Find what's right for your family. If you're already a client of Goldline, there's additional bonuses this week. Just call them and find out. It's 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. The Glenn Back Program. You know, when I was 20, I didn't uh, I didn't understand how the Germans couldn't see what was going on. And then I couldn't understand why the Jews didn't leave when they kept doing it and it got worse and worse and worse. I couldn't understand. Ah, oh, well, 
it can't get any worse than this. I do now. I didn't understand why the world, why America didn't get involved and why the world let uh, uh, Germany march right into the Sudetenland and take it. And then surprise when he took (laughs) Poland. I didn't understand how important a Churchill was. We don't have a Churchill. We do have a Stalin. We do have a Hitler, but we don't have a Churchill. Uh, Gosh, we do have a Neville Chamberlain. He's in Washington. And and when you look at this and this is what age does for you, gives you the wisdom to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see all the parallels, but this this is so delicate that you may not want to get involved deeper than this. You know what I mean? Yeah. In in years from now, it'll be very clear. It turns into World War Three. It'll be very clear what what the answer should have been. Right. But it's not right now. It's not. It really is harder in the moment, and it's it's difficult. I think you know a lot of people on the right have kind of faded away from the hawkish view of these things, and I think that's probably the right. Uh, in many cases, is the right uh, way to go. But it's it's hard. Like I I feel there's a lot of people just dismissing that view completely. There is a good argument for the hawkish view here. There is. However, with World the War people II. managing it, there is not a a view for it. Like there, you could say there's an argument for a no fly zone in theory, but like not with these people managing it. It's like, is it a good idea, Glenn, for you to open up a a burger stand tomorrow? sells cheeseburgers yeah well maybe maybe not there's an argument it could be a good business maybe it might not be well what if i tell you a heroin addict is going to run it well then you know right away you're not going to order or open the burger stand and that's where i feel like we are with the hawkish debate here like with they're sending literally kamala harris to deal with these issues and look at the pentagon the people who brought you afghanistan oh my gosh Millie? I mean, Millie is still there. I mean, and was never really held responsible for anything. Really? Come on. That's how you want to go in. Avoid at all costs. Yes. I I am afraid I have to agree with you. Avoid at all costs. This is the Glenn Beck Program.